this week, we're back in the studio after a bit of a hiatus, and we used a TikTok video as a jumping off point to discuss the nuance and complexity of solidarity and allyship. This is Juice Talk Racial Justice with April and Tracy, a weekly show hosted by April Baskin and Tracy Guy Decker. In a complex world, change takes courage. Wholehearted relationships can keep us accountable. We're recording another podcast. We're back in the studio. <laughs> Hi, Tracy. It's so good to be here with you. Yeah, <laughs> it's great to be with you, April. I mean, we've seen each other, but we haven't been like in the studio. I'm putting air. Yeah, in the stewed, <laughs> in the stewed together. Yeah, recording. It's been, it's been a long minute. Yeah, it's been a minute, uh, but I'm excited to record this episode. Um, for those of you who are connected with me on socials, you may know, and if you didn't, now you do. I'm. Uh, on the tail end of a, a rough bout of food poisoning. So we're going to try to keep this juicy and concise because uh, I'm pushing it a bit to be recording this. But because I love Tracy so much and I love y'all and I especially love Tracy and our team and we do so much great work, I'd love, and this also feeds my spirit, I'd love to keep our momentum going. And for those of you who have been on this journey with us from the beginning or, you know, for a while now, um, at different points, I've talked about my, um, ongoing, uh, spiritual and leadership evolution in terms of my heritage and spirituality and my journey toward ordination to become a Kohenet, a Hebrew priestess. And I'm not going to dive into all of that now, but just to say that, um, for those of you who heard the episode last year around um, the ongoing, my ongoing process around more deeply connecting to my indigenous Cherokee, Chickasaw, and Choctaw heritage, that that work has continued in really significant ways. And as a part of that evolution and working to both own who I am and who I'm becoming and also support myself in the process of becoming, I decided to sign up on TikTok <laughs> and using some of these creative uh, and uh, various other techniques that I know, I decided I would do uh, three posts a day for 30 days on my TikTok account and on average. So if I'm, you know, at times I might feel creative and, do more um, so that I can do less on some days or like today and yesterday, since I am very sick, I uh, didn't record any and I'm just tacking on two days to the end of the 30 days. <laughs> um, but uh, so anyway, all of this to say, welcome to our new friends who are joining from TikTok. It's so great to have you here. Thank you for helping amplify the stitch that I did. For those who don't know, on TikTok, people make videos and you can duet them where your video will be side by side theirs. And you can typically people do it to offer support, although I'm sure there's haters who use it for other things. Or you can quote unquote stitch a video where you pick a snippet of their video and then you jump off of that. You use that as a launch pad. And I did that on TikTok um, over the weekend and I almost didn't post it. And I'm so glad I did because it's now around, has around 7,000 views and it's been steadily climbing. Wow. Um, yeah. So cool and interesting. And it was about, it was in response to a duet video that someone did. So if you visit my TikTok, which is at April Aviva Baskin, 
Um, you can we'll see put this. a link in the show notes. Oh, we'll thank put a you. Link in the show notes too. Tracy, you're so good with this stuff. Yeah. So I almost didn't post it, but I'm glad I did because it resonated with a lot of our people. Um, and one of our listeners uh, wrote in the comments. So shout out if you're hearing this now. Someone wrote like, "Oh, I didn't realize you were on TikTok. I love your podcast." So thank Fun. you for that. Thank you for connecting. Thank you for listening. And I think you were just being sincere, but also for you know, offering social proof to people who are looking at the comments to see like, yeah, <laughs> this person who I've never seen before actually has a podcast that actually has listeners. <laughs> All of this to say our joyous justice and specifically our Jews talk racial justice circle is expanding and it's kind of perfect and beshared. And to me, it's a wonderful sign from the divine because as Tracy knows, I've been feeling like there's needed to be a bit of a shift and I'm just taking it a step at a time, but I'm intrigued by this development of new folks coming in because it's it's reinvigorating me as we approach our 100th episode. And as you know, like, especially lately, as I'm tuning in more, I'm I'm fine tuning my awareness of my energy. So yeah, so okay, so let's see. So um, Abe Gurko at and his handle is at Won't Be Silent. So Jewish. <laughs> You can't get much more Jewish than won't be silent. Um, <laughs> right? I mean, it's also other groups, but like, <laughs> you're trying to silence me, but no, no. That's kind of his accent a little bit too. Right? Yeah. Right. You know, and so I, I love, I love my, I love my peoples and specifically I love my Jewish people. So, okay. So he did this video that was then duetted by TikTok user Paige Wolf, um, whose handle is at Paige Wolf 79. So basically um, it's worth going and watching at won't be silent, finding the video he does about Jews and people of color. And when I, so one thing that I did that, um, I was expecting somebody to notice, but nobody did. But I, one thing is that I specifically, because I think, and he may have meant it panethnically, but to me, in my mind, I, I thought, um, I decided to specify it in my video and say black people, black yeah, Jews and, and black people, um, because I think, and in light of what he was saying and things, one could one could argue with, but it seemed to me that that's what he was getting at. Well, he does have those signs, like he he does sort of green screen with signs that say one says no Jews allowed and the other says no colored people allowed, like from the fifties. Um, and so there's that that is specifically a kind of blending of people of color, which is pan ethnic, and colored people from the fifties, which meant black people, right. And he changed it to say people of color, but in my mind, when it was saying colored people, yeah. they were specifically referring to black folks. Agreed. And so, and given all of this history and things, so, so as I said in my stitch of this video, yeah, I agree. It would be great for us to partner. And what I know from being a black person in the Jewish community and in the world is that there are very real reasons why from both ends of the community, as well as all of the oppression and dynamics that are hitting both communities and our society in general, why this can be more complicated. But I did want to validate and I appreciate, I think part of why this is, why his video got a lot of views. One, he has a pretty large platform on TikTok. And also why my video is going viral is because a number of Jews, I mean, 
part of it may also be because I'm charming, but so charming, you know, you know, um, but, but is because a, a lot of Jews profoundly desire, desire this connection mm-hmm. and this alliance and this partnership and this sense of belonging with kindred aligned folks who have also been deeply targeted by oppression. Mm-hmm. And that, that without the added trauma or dysfunction or other things that play out around that is a beautiful, pure, wonderful, uncomplicated desire. And in terms of the complexity and layers of it, we've had a whole podcast that's approaching 100 episodes to get into all of the nuances of why um, this is harder than why it is worthwhile and also why it's harder than it may seem on its face, Mm -hmm. but that it's also achievable. Yeah. So, and and to me, there's some core elements here that we've talked about a lot, but especially for newer listeners, I'll just name. Um, Also, it's always helpful to know when we're talking about black Jewish relations, it's always helpful to name and notice that, that these communities are not completely separate, that there's overlap and that there are black Jews and, and also that within we, each of these communities, each of these groups of people are not monoliths and they may share an identity, but that there are different perspectives and elements and all those different things. And those, those different facets also add to some of the complexity of um, the antagonism and the friction that can happen between the communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and also both groups have an immense, each have immense bodies of work, both groups and those of us who exist in the intersection, we all have um, immense amount of work and more so for those of us who do live at the intersection to do around healing from the trauma that has affected our peoples to become aware of how heavily and how significantly this impacts how we show up Um, one of the core challenges that the black and Jewish communities face is that they are both, they have been and are both targeted by whiteness, but historically and in the present moment, it plays out very differently. And what each of the communities have at stake, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. We've talked about it in some of our episodes um, or in an episode at least, about, and also too, there's different things at stake for both communities, you know, like the Jewish community as a whole, I've started to realize, um, in some ways this has been an asset, but spiritually and in terms of liberation, it's a huge challenge. Um, the Jewish community has a complex, uh, set of relational dynamics with its close proximity to whiteness. Yeah. Right. And so that's at stake. So as we talk about a true, true partnership, one of the things that comes up to me is that part of what that's going to mean is Jews establishing a different relationship or disavowing that. Whereas black folks are the anchor of, are the anchor that holds the entire racial hierarchy in place. And so mm-hmm. we have a very, and I, and I was born into that and live into that, even as a lighter skinned black person, but my orientation to whiteness, because I've had enough experiences throughout my life that said, you are literally the opposite of worthiness. You are the opposite of this, that, um, 
in the context of joy and courage and other things. There are many more risks I am willing to take because I can't lose something that I never had. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think and the stakes are very different for a lot of white Ashkenazi Jews. I think that that point is really important. I've been thinking a lot about it lately in terms of um, the generational difference, right? Because people, my grandparents age actually had less, had a further gap to acceptance as whiteness. And Mm -hmm. they knew the, the danger and the lethality of antisemitism as a, as a racialized thing, you know, from, from the Shoah. Whereas like even my parents' generation born after the war, but especially my generation born in the seventies, eighties, et cetera. Like I, I only, um, like I only have known Jewishness as being married to whiteness. That's, that's the identity that I have known, which my grandparents didn't. Um, and so your point about what is at stake, it's important too, to remember that sort of the, the distance or lack thereof. Um, even thinking about your, the, um, TikToker that you were referencing with the signs that he had in his background, which were from the 50s. Generational, right. That were a previous generation whereby Jewishness was further from whiteness mm-hmm. or, or further from being accepted as white. Um, right. By mainstream Still closer, America. but not, but closer not. Closer than black but not, folks. Yeah. But not, but not, but, in, not, but not, not, not where it is not now. On team, not <laughs> on, not as second class citizens and team and team white, which is yeah. basically what it is now. And at times I, you know, I often push back when different folks, whether they be in the UK, although that has its own dynamics in some ways, or in the States when Jews talk about when they experience racism. And I'm like, mm, I prefer the word bigotry because you're still being treated as, as someone who's mm-hmm. not white. Yeah. I get all those experiences you're talking about are, are being treated as to me, that's more about bigotry or discrimination. It doesn't, it's not, you're still in the fold in some, in, in some way. And I, and I, you know, as you know, I've often used this phrase on this podcast. I often talk about conditional whiteness and I would even say that it's a conditional whiteness, but it's still whiteness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so how do we start to talk? And so this is why this is one of the things in the context of our podcast and other programs and offerings we've provided and run and continue to offer about how do we support our people around more deeply understanding this, around finding themselves in it. Um, unrelatedly, one of the thoughts I was having as you were talking a few moments ago, you know, to me, a big part of the Jewish piece here for our people, which we've talked about again in a prior episode, is about finding and understanding and reorienting to what safety means. Like, as you were talking, you know, you were, you were naming, you know, that there was a a process, like it wasn't just, it didn't just happen that this generational shift happened. There were choices made along the way that Jews made in the context of oppression and inherited and current day traumas where with the best knowledge and understanding they had, they chose safety and what safety looked like to them was upward mobility mm-hmm. was moving. It was, was participating and not necessarily being fully conscious of it. Although at times being aware of it, participating in white flight of, of leaving black people behind. Mm-hmm. There are parts of this, of these histories and this generational shift and these dynamics that we need to look at and be aware of and own in our story as we're talking. So when we talk about partnership and we come to the table, um, we can actually make some progress 
because depending upon the level of engagement with the black person on the other side of the table, you could hear a range of different things from yes, absolutely. And they're literally, you hear the, you hear all, you hear this whole spectrum from black uh, influencers, just people on social media. And similarly, you also hear a range of these different spectrums for Jews in different ways, but from like, yes, I am, I think absolutely Jews and black people need to totally be in it together to a number of people from the New York area who might say, yeah, I don't have a great history with Jews in my life in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And not just one person, a lot of them. And I saw them regularly hurting my black people mm-hmm. to, um, to uh, prominent black clergy who not publicly, but privately in conversation um, say a range of things. One of them being, I've been open for 10 plus 20 plus years to part to meaningful, true relationship and partnership with Jews. And when something happens to me or when, when, or when I reach out to them for help, they're not, they're not there. Hmm. Right. You know, that there's a whole, there's just a whole bunch of, there are a bunch of missed signals here. And as someone who's, who's in between these dynamics, I see at times what's happening. Like, oh, my Jewish people are terrified right now. And they're in their trauma response. And they have no idea right now that they're, that they're letting down. And, you know, and, oh, like my black folks right now don't understand the Jews are in their terror response, that they're not actually exert, although it's actually, they're doing both. They're both exerting white racism, but they're it's more about their terror that's manifesting mm-hmm. through their oppressor pattern, but they're actually terrified and they're not actually trying to keep you down. They're just trying to live. You know, like I just see these different things playing out and these are all things that are figure outable and that can be healed and processed that we be- can become aware of and anticipate and avoid and shift. But there's all, all of this is just a little bit of an expansion into the yes. And that I gave in my stitch of yes, I agree this would be amazing. Um, the other piece that I want to say here is that this is a core way that oppression works. And this is a theme that recently came up at the workshop I attended. Well, until I got sick, but um, the workshop that I attended uh, this weekend, um, Black African Community Development and Liberation. It used to be called BLCD, Black Liberation and Community Development. But we are and they're doing a lot of work on integrating the black African diaspora diaspora with people on the continent. So now they're calling it black African, which is very, you know, they said that like we might continue to evolve it. So that's a really cool development. And I love their leading edge thinking around that. And one of the things that Barbara, that professor Barbara love talked about at that workshop specifically just for black people. And this is also very much true in the context of blacks and Jews is that the primary work for black and African heritage people is healing one of the core goals and actions of colonization has been to constantly separate us from each other Mm. is to constantly through tearing apart our families, the languages and have and, and cultivate mistrust among each other. Now, interestingly, a side note, which I'm not planning on getting into right now, an effect of the trauma on Jews is to not trust the other. The impact Mm -hmm. of of, of thousands of years of anti-Jewish oppression um, is also not to trust each other to an extent, but is more about not trusting 
right. any allies. And this mm-hmm. gets very complicated in the context of, and that is a core pattern that plays out with Black folks, right? As they're trying, and other folks, but especially as they're trying to be an ally. And then, so, so there's healing that's, that's needed because part of it is about like getting folks to do more. And some of it is us to get enough healing to allow in what folks are doing, right? What are doing and have been doing that we, without realizing it through our trauma have been undermining and stopping. Right. But so she talked about how, which is so true about us being seen as not enough in our blackness and, and that a core part of our work is to constantly reach for each other and to not let that division get in the way for, so when professional, both in the context of healing, but also in the world for us to be connected and honor one another. And to me, there is a very similar dynamic here between blacks and Jews where this, that this is the core hurt for, um, I mean, among many, many things, obviously, but in terms of inter that keeps us from accessing our full power with each other as black and African heritage people. Um, and to me, it's sort of similar between black people and Jewish people, where there are a number of different dynamics that have served to drive substantial wedges that can be dissolved, but we need to really be aware of them, not be in denial of them, also not get overwhelmed by them, recognize that these things aren't bigger than us, but they are formidable. So we do need to be aware of them. So we know how to navigate them effectively and also notice what of those things we've internalized because by getting healing around those things and shifting that, it might be formidable, but it ain't got nothing on us if it's no longer our kryptonite. It might be happening. You know, it's back to that metaphor that I've shared many times that Barbara Love gave at a different than BLCD now, B-A-L-C-D, um, of the oppression table. That in order for oppression to, to stand, it needs two pe- it's a two-peg table. The oppressor's oppression and the oppressed's internalization. And that and that you you only need to destabilize one in order for the oppression to not be able to exist. Um, and so that's why I'm so big on this healing piece and doing the inner work, not necessarily fully because it's a cure-all, because, but as we heal these things, it's not that it stops the external from happening, but it completely shifts whether or not it has any power over us and how we move through the world and how we start to navigate it around it and um, get ahead of it. So that's a little bit of a foray into the Juice Talk Racial Justice Orbit. We, um, we covered a lot today, April. Yeah, we did. And I'm and uh, we've been talking for a while. Um, and uh, we decided to extend um, now through Friday or perhaps the weekend too. We'll probably still keep the page up, but, um, but we're saying Friday. But we extended the deadline in part because um, I'm getting more traction on TikTok. And I haven't even really yet even talked about Grounded and Growing, but we yeah. have two programs we're running right now. On the last episode, we gave the discounts. Um, Tracy now and or in the outro may share that information. Um, but if what we said resonated um, and or you were charmed and bedazzled by our amazing wit and brilliance, there are two opportunities that we have for you to engage with us in a smaller mindful cohort group setting this summer in a matter of days. Uh, so you can find more information on our website and Tracy created a couple discounts for our podcast listeners. Do you want to say anything else, Tracy? I'm losing steam here. <laughs> um, 
No, I'm, you know, I think this was a great sample episode. Life is just more complicated than life and relationships and uh, dismantling oppression is more complicated than many people give it credit for. We yes. can't get it done if we underestimate it. Well, actually, and thank you for saying that because I think actually... <laughs> <laughs> but that's actually, that's exactly what it is, Tracy. And because of that, then people feel super disempowered. Yeah. But what they don't realize is if they just had a bit more information and a few more core skills, which is why we created Grounded and Growing is to help. And I think we may change the name in time. We in part just use that name. It's a wonderful name just to manage expectations because we're covering right. a distilled large volume of material in a relatively short amount of time. But it's really about resilience and self and broader awareness, bringing a trauma-informed lens and giving people the core insights and tools you need to continually get stronger and stronger and more resilient and more visionary over time. And I just, I love what you said there, Tracy. And I feel like we could potentially do a whole episode about that in the future. So I don't need to talk about it now, but what you just said is that people un don't understand it and then they get rolled over by it. And they mm -hmm. feel, and then it taps in from a trauma-informed perspective, then it taps into their early defeats and it just becomes something that they can't overcome. Right. And what I'm saying is through trauma-informed awareness and or healing, if you want to go even deeper, actually, and more education, which you can get through Joyous Justice and a range of other resources as you start to, and that's what I love about our teachings, is we teach the core things you need to know and also the, some of the core reframes so that you know what you're dealing with mm -hmm. and you might still not win the next time you try, but you might notice, Ooh, I'm getting traction. And I tried this strategy and I actually got so much further and opened up new conversations. Let me try that again and see how I can get that further is that new doors and pathways can start to open. Um, and it just takes that much more insight and also getting, um, although I'm noticing too, that there's some disheartening, now I'm just, I could just keep talking forever about this, Tracy, but that a number of folks, too, and this isn't to undermine, because I still think this is also true, although it seems slightly contradictory, but it's not, that I notice, especially in our community, and I definitely have, have had this too on my spiritual journey, is that I notice that um, folks seem to just constantly be looking outside for the next thing. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's much more about some of the core principles and reframes and insights and getting and deepening and going for the depth of understanding and repeating those core lessons at greater depths. And once you get those, to me, it's like piano lessons. Like once you know the core once classical elements, the, yeah, once you have the scales and different things and you really master those, there's not some other magical scale you need to know. You just right. need to really get good at that and then build and move from strength to strength. Or like in, in our fitness metaphor, it's like you keep looking for the, the pair of shoes that's going to make you run the marathon when really- Or the, or the specific exercise regimen. It's the running. You just have to keep yeah. keep right, going, right? Keep or like a special, it. or like a special routine, as opposed to or being about or eating healthy coach. food and and working on your mobility and using proper form and getting better and better at using yeah. the correct form. And it's through that and through building that musculature and not some magical. Although there might be some amazing program, but there's, it's not it's less about some magical thing and more about the core. Yeah, pillars the, the and building the foundation, mm -hmm. really getting a solid foundation in this specifically because a core way that racism and other forms of oppression operate is to undermine our sense of knowing. Mm -hmm. So one of the best ways to equip ourselves and not be overwhelmed by these things is to really more thoroughly and foundationally understand them and have a suite through Grounded and Growing 
um, of antidotes and tools and resources that you can customize to your needs at any given moment or a phase of your leadership to help you you navigate them and metabolize these experiences. So not only are you no longer defeated by them, that you might still um, experience some sort of loss, but you're able to metabolize it in a way that you can get different insight and figure out how to more skillfully navigate these moments moving forward. Because oppression is not bigger than us. It is on our skin Occasionally it's in us like an infection, but we can get healing and it might be a little painful temporarily, especially if it's an infection that's gone a little bit inside, but that pain is the healing. Um, So we just need to get these resources, continue to heal. Um, Yeah. I need to, I need to let this, we got it. We got to wrap this up. I'll see, I'll see you next week, April. All right. Much love T. We've extended the registration deadline for both Grounded and Growing and Shift Your Life in 60 Days until Friday, July 22nd. And Juice Talk Racial Justice listeners get a special discount. Simply enter the coupon code JTRJ22 at checkout to get your discount. Hope to see you soon. Thanks for tuning in. Our show's theme music was composed by Elliot Hammer. You can find this track and other beats on Instagram at Elliot Hammer. If this episode resonated with you, please share it and subscribe. To join the conversation, visit JewsTalkRacialJustice.com, where you can send us a question or suggestion, access our show notes, and learn more about our team. Take care until next time and stay humble and keep going.